Go to First Timothy chapter six. First Timothy chapter six. Look at verse thirteen. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show. Who is, and I love this, the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for Grace Baptist Church and the testimony that this church has had. Lord, thank you for the work that you've done here through the years, through your word. Lord, help us now as we look at this just for a few minutes. Lord, I pray that um, you'll be honored and glorified by all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. I uh, got this message out. I just printed it this morning. I didn't realize that I still had it. So after I'd been here for a year, I preached this sermon. It's called, What I Believe a Year Later. What I Believe a Year Later. And what I said was, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Amen. Amen. And then the second point was, I believe... uh, Let's see. I forgot what I believe. I believe in the New Testament church. And then the last point of that was, I believe this gives us an extraordinary opportunity. And the extraordinary was, I talked about how extraordinary Jesus Christ is. And it was fun. What was fun about seeing that was the the plan that I had for this service was basically the same plan that I had 19 years ago on my first anniversary as pastor at Grace Baptist Church. And that is, who are we? What do I believe? What do we as a church believe? And the first thing that we believe is the authority of Scripture. The authority of Scripture. Notice what the Bible says. The only potentate. There's only one potentate in the church. It's not the pastor. It's not a head of any particular denomination. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the authority that we have for everything that we do comes from the Word of God. The Bible is our sole authority. And what's wonderful about that is if God took me out of here, you don't have to have Jim Alter to have Grace Baptist Church. You don't have to have a man to have the authority of the Word of God. Isn't that wonderful? The other thing that is wonderful, every Sunday when I get up to preach, I don't have to come up with something to say. God has told us what to say by giving us His Word. We believe in the authority of the Word of God. We don't hold to confessions or creeds. We don't hold to any particular orthodoxy. We hold to the Word of God. This is our only authority for faith and practice. The amazing thing about the Word of God as our authority is this, that God wrote it, He inspired it, and then He preserved it. So imagine this. The Bible was written over a period of 1,600 years by 40 different authors. And He has preserved it completely faultless through all of this time. No errors, no contradictions. He has preserved it. Imagine that. You know, when people talk about Plato or Aristotle or Socrates, how many of you have ever heard that Socrates said something? You ever heard it? You know that we have nothing that he wrote? Nothing. There's nothing. Plato quoted what Socrates wrote. And Plato wrote around 300 B.C. The oldest copy we have is 13 or 1400 years later. We don't have any idea what Plato wrote. 
That's interesting, isn't it? And yet, the Bible was finished around 100 A.D. They were already making copies into other languages by 150 A.D. We actually have copies, we have fragments and pieces of the Scriptures that go back to within just decades of when the Bible was written. The Bible is our authoritative work. Around 150, it was translated into the Old Latin, and that Old Latin went to the western part of the world and was used for a thousand years until it was corrupted. Around 400 by Jerome, but they kept using that Old Latin for almost a thousand years. 157, they translated it into Aramaic and Syriac, and that went to the eastern part of the world. And that was used for a thousand years and was corrupted by Philoxenus in 508. But those manuscripts, those texts, they kept on going. And we have the scriptures preserved today. I love it that God didn't only preserve the Bible in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. That he preserved it because everywhere people went, they made copies of the scriptures so that they could have the Bible. God didn't preserve the word through one individual institution. The Bible says that the, that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And individual bodies, individual churches all over the world made copies of the Bible because you can't be a Baptist without a Bible. Everywhere they went, they copied the Bible. I was in northern Italy a few years ago, and I went to a Waldensian scriptorium from the 1300s where they made copies of the Bible in the 1300s. Everywhere they went, they copied the Bible. And so we have an authoritative record of the text that we hold in our hands. We don't have to guess about what the Bible said. We know what the Bible says. It is our sole authority. All through history, the Bible has been the authority for the believer. It's an interesting thing. When the early churches were beginning, they were first called Christians in Antioch, the Bible says in the book of Acts. In Antioch, do you know what they were doing? They were preaching the Scriptures. But what Scriptures were they preaching? They were preaching Jesus Christ out of the Old Testament. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17 that Paul, when he went into Thessalonica, he went, as his manner was, he went into the synagogue and reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Jesus Christ must have suffered and died and risen from the dead. That's the message that they preached, reasoning from the Scriptures out of the Old Testament. And then God used that same Apostle Paul to write 12 or 13 books of the New Testament. And God preserved all of that down to today, so that when we stand up, when I stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, it is the preserved Word of God. Do you know what I love about the Bible? The Bible tells us who Jesus is and what He did for us. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verse 1. There's the Apostle Paul writing, he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Now look at what it says. How that Christ died for our sins. What are those next four words? And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. What does it say? So the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. You know, there are people that, that they try to undermine the authority of the Word of God. And yet, without the Bible, we can't be saved. The Bible says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. You can't get saved without the Bible. And at Grace Baptist Church, we believe that the Bible is our sole authority. 
You know, we have a church constitution, and I looked at it for the first time in about 20 years, not too long ago. And you know what's amazing is that constitution, it has some things to help us legally and all of that kind of thing, but that doesn't have anything to do with who we are. We don't need any other document other than the Word of God to describe who Grace Baptist Church is. Isn't that wonderful? That's who we are, the authority. That is what we believe. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He is very God of gods, that He is completely equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit in all of their attributes. He is holy. He's perfect. He's sinless. He is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. Isn't that wonderful? And yet, and yet, He is all-merciful. See, the holiness of God is something that's hard for us to understand. The word holy actually means something like other. It's completely separate from us. We can't comprehend it. I remember when um, Tiger Woods would play when he was at his peak, that I think it was Jack Nicholas said that he plays a game with which I'm not familiar. It was just so different. His ability, his talent, it was so different. Man, the difference between, say, Tiger Woods and a normal golfer and the difference between... God and me. <laughs> so much. That is not even a comprehension. That's not even a comparison that we can comprehend or make. You see, we believe that Jesus Christ is the perfect and the sinless Son of God. That's the foundation of who we are. And we have a culture that wants to diminish Jesus Christ through the concepts of social justice and, and the social gospel and all of these things. They want to make Jesus into something that He is not. They want to create a Christianity that is completely divorced from Scripture and a God that endorses their sinfulness and a Jesus that endorses their unrighteousness. That is not the Jesus of the Bible. Years ago, Erwin Lutzer said, if, you, if the world loves your Jesus, it's because you've made Him into something that He is not. And Jesus Christ is the sinless, the perfect Son of God. I love what the Bible says about Him. It says, We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. That's our Savior. That's the Jesus that we worship. How do we know anything about Him? Because God wrote and inspired and preserved His Word. And we know who Jesus Christ is. The wonderful thing about Jesus Christ and His holiness is the fact that He operates in this world to us through grace. What's grace? It's just a gift. It's a gift. I love to use the pen illustration. And this is, I, I just got this pen not too long ago. And I love it. It's a, it's a Parker Sonnet. If you could see it, it's just a beautiful pen. It's probably about 30 years old. And I just got it off of eBay. Hallelujah. And it is, it's a beautiful pen. So my brother, come up here, Bill. I want, I want everybody to see you. This is my brother, Bill. Let's give my brother a hand right here. This is my brother. I obviously got the looks. So my brother is a car salesman. So if you shake his hand, count your rings. Um, but so... So let's say I wanted to make this pen a gift to you. What do you have to do to make it yours? Just take it. Now, to keep it, you've got to wash my car every week for the next five years. Okay. When I'm in town. Yeah. See, as a car salesman, he agreed to it, but he didn't write it down. Did you see that? 
Give me my pen this back. never quits. Give me my pen back. <laughs> so for it to be a gift, you just take it, right? If you have to earn it, it's not a gift. Thanks. You can sit down. I just wanted to embarrass you. Um, if you want to take it, that, that's the only way you can receive a gift. If you have to earn it, then you're paying for it, and it's not a gift. You know there are a lot of people that think that they have to earn salvation? Yes, you have to believe in God. You have to believe who Jesus is. There's some facts that you have to believe. But you also have to do these other things. You have to go to church. You have to give money. You have to be a good person. All of that would be like trying to pay for a gift. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can't earn salvation. It's a free gift. Do you know what we believe? We believe that salvation is the free gift of God, the free gift from God of eternal life that simply has to be received. Now, I'm glad all of you come to church, but you coming to church has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not you get to go to heaven. I've told you before, I was preaching in Texas with Dalton Robertson, and he said in Texas, he said, there are a lot more Baptists in Texas than will be in heaven. He knows how to make friends everywhere he goes. I'll tell you what, it was one of the funniest things. He said something about marriage or whatever, and he could say, if I said this, there'd be a revolt. Listen to what he said publicly. He said this. He said something about marriage, and he said, some of you women, you're looking at me sideways. You need to know there's not a woman in here I can't whip. (laughs) Now, we were in Texas, so I don't necessarily think that's true. But (laughs) Dalton can get away with saying almost anything. But it's so interesting. It's so interesting that there are people in Texas, Baptists, who think they're going to heaven because they're Baptist. There are people here in our community who think they're going to heaven because they're Catholic or Lutheran or whatever. Going to church can't take you to heaven. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ and faith in His finished work on the cross, His death, burial, and resurrection. That's the only thing that can ever take anyone to heaven. That's it. That's what we believe. Well, I've got to finish. But we believe that the Bible is the authority. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And we believe that the local church is the vehicle that God has chosen to accomplish His work in this age. And that's why I'm so thankful for Grace Baptist Church. You are a picture of what a church is supposed to be. The love that you show for people, the way that you are so welcoming. When I brought the consultant in to look at our building, to look at expanding, he walked through the facility and he said, how many people come here? He said, about 250. He said, I don't know how you do it. And I think I told you this. You know what he said? You've trained your people well. If he only knew how untrainable Shelby County people are, he'd know how (laughs) foolish that statement was. But do you know what it is? It's your commitment to the work of the Lord. It's your faithfulness. It's your willingness to be uncomfortable. It's your willingness to give up your seat for somebody else. That kind of sacrifice. Now, it's not, not you know, you're not sacrificing your child to bail. I understand. But it's still a sacrifice. And that's the heart of Grace Baptist Church. Another thing that I love is your testimony, the way that you talk about the Lord out in the community, the stands that you take, the way that you represent Christ in the community, whether it's our school teachers or whether it's the people that work in our factories, whether it's the companies that you own, the, you doctors, the people that you, that you treat, your faithfulness in the community, it's fantastic. And I tell you, the thing that I love more than anything else are you young people. 
and the way that you represent Christ out in our world. It is such a fantastic thing to see what you all are doing. The college guys, it's fantastic to see the testimony that you have. The high schoolers, those of you that have just gone into the workplace and you're representing Christ well, that's what a church is supposed to be. And then on top of that, you saw Dan Smith, all the missionaries, the church plants, all the things that they're doing in Liverpool, the church that my dad started when we were just kids. Boy, we could tell stories about that, couldn't we? Now, you weren't even around yet. Yeah, you yeah. It's just amazing. And then church in Connecticut. Megan was born when Dad's starting the church in Connecticut. And to see the faithfulness of God's people and what He's done. God's plan is for a New Testament church. That's the plan. And that's why I'm thankful for Grace Baptist Church. I can't believe that I get to be the pastor of this church. The people that God's bringing. The talent that's here. I like to tell the young people... <clears throat> You know, there's a statement that's made. Bill Nye would say this because he just doesn't know what he's talking about. But he would say that um, you can't be a Christian and a scientist. Now, there's a, there's a group. It's called Christian Science. And it's neither Christian nor science. But that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about are Christians who are scientists. And, man, I'll bet a third of our church is a scientist of some kind, whether an engineer or a pharmacist or something to do with science, mathematicians, all of those things. Those are the people that God has brought here. Isn't that a blessing? The people that God has brought here, the talent, the ability, our children's ministry, the people that work. You know, we'll have as many people here on Wednesday night as we have during the Sunday morning service, just scattered all over the building. And the, the, the dozens of people that work with our children through the Iwana ministry or through junior church and the Sunday school classes. It's just a, you're a picture of what a New Testament church should be. Now, we're not a mega church. We're, there aren't any megachurches in our community. But we're a faithful church. And I just want you to know that I am so thankful to be a part of Grace Baptist Church. The good news is the church didn't start with me. Pastor Hovestreit started it. And you people that were a big part of that, your parents, your grandparents that were part of starting this church. Some of us just get to have the blessing of the work that has gone on before us. So what is our job? Our job is to leave something behind after we're gone. You know what's cool? You guys are doing that. You guys are doing that. Praise the Lord. I was thinking of Dr. Ree. This year, he didn't get to have an anniversary of coming because he came on February 29th. <laughs> 41 years ago, right? 41 years ago. He's been faithful here, serving God all of this time. 41 years. 41 years. Uh, to see the testimonies, it's so good to see Patsy Maxwell here and to see that video this morning of them and that she voted for us because of Laura. <laughs> well, I'm just rambling now, but I want you to know how much, I, how much I appreciate you, how thankful I am for Grace Baptist Church. And I love seeing people like Patsy Maxwell here and then the young ladies and Maureen that sang this morning. That didn't come out right. <laughs> that didn't come out right at all. But you know what I mean. It is a blessing. I can't believe it was 1999 that you all came. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Are you thankful for what God's doing here? Amen. Isn't it a blessing? Well, thank you for your love for me. Matt, I can't believe you made that bow wherever you are. Where's Matt at? Wave at me. He's in the overflow. Can't believe you made that bow for me. Grace Baptist Church, you're too kind to us. Thank you so much. And I hope that God gives us another 20 years.
another 20 years to tell people that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Amen? Let's all stand together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, I think of the verse where you, it says that you counted us faithful, placing us in the ministry. What a blessing that is. And Lord, you know that um, I hesitated to go into the ministry for a long time because I didn't want to be poor. And the way that you provided for us all of these years, and you've provided for us through Grace Baptist Church. Lord, this church has been such a blessing to my family and me. And I'm very thankful. Lord, the most important gift that any of us ever receive is the gift of salvation. Lord, thank you for offering us the gift of eternal life. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here this morning who's never received that gift, Lord, I pray that they'll receive it today. In Jesus' name, amen.